This is Dean Cabler. And this is Darren Clark. And you're, and you're listening, listening to Tales from the East End. Gents, welcome back to another edition of Tales from the East End, episode 23, sponsored by the one and the only Peachtree East. And uh, check out their Facebook for drinks, deals, and all sorts of good food. So um, we are going to talk about the bruising encounter that was the Bowls game last week. The battle for Europe continues with Derry on Friday and Cork in the League Cup on Bank Holiday Monday. Interviews with Trevor Billy Boy Malloy and Jason McLean talks about the 1899-1901 argument, which is no longer an argument. The war is over. Mm-hmm. And I'm Gary Parsons, and as usual beside me, or in front of me, is actually he's actually in front of me most weeks, not beside me, is the prof, Carl Riley. Hello. So we're going to talk about uh, all sorts of rovers affiliated stuff, and feedback to last week's show was, a, uh, it, was it was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, I got some great stuff from last week. Uh, Nate's comments in particular was, was good, you said. Yeah, Nate, Nate was pretty cool. Um, people were very vocal. Nate said that he laughed his dick off, which under no circumstances do I recommend anybody laugh that much. Do not laugh until your nether regions become detached from your body. It's uh, not something that we recommend. <laughs> good advice. But he has a new flag, great addition to the wall of masterpieces behind the goal, a kangaroo with boxing gloves in front of a green and white background. So, love to see people adopting rovers and uh, keep keep on hooping uh, Nate we also have a Baker Shabba fan he used to come to the games with us from Hungary Jabba. so um, we're going to try and get him back and make him a regular haven't seen him in a while uh, just a correction from last week's show it wasn't a plastic pitch in Boleslav and I'm blaming you for that one Gare yeah no I'm, I'm blaming 87 points right <laughs> yeah also the random Cork lad we mentioned that was uh, David Murphy right David Murphy been following Rovers for 10 years yeah, he was down in Cove and, and uh, uh, some good stories about him as well on Facebook. We actually made a few clangers. I think I think you said uh, Paul O'Connor and Phil Green instead of Paul O'Connell and Phil Breen. But we're not perfect. Hey, but listen, um, they got the messaging. Yeah, also Paul, fair play to you for noticing the birds chirping. Yeah, outside. first person, a keen ear. And you know, yeah. I'm not surprised because he is a bit of an audiophile. So um, he does like his music and... Uh, he records his own stuff as well, so he's he's got a good ear. So we're going to move on to the game, and we lost 2-1 to Bowes at Tala. Ronan Finn missed out again with a calf injury, and Sam Bowen came in for Pico Lopez, who had gone to hospital that morning after a freak incident. I mean, it, beforehand, I didn't know if it was freak or natural. I mean, did he drop a bottle of aftershave on his foot, or did he get his appendix out, that type of thing? Do you remember, I think it was Canizares did that, didn't he? Dropped the aftershave on his foot? I think it was him, yeah. And uh, we have the answer here. So Stephen Bradley said that he woke up with an abdominal pain and he was told by the doc he needed to go to the hospital for an operation. Maybe one of his testicles was torn while he was asleep, they think. And if they can't operate within the first few hours, you have a chance of losing it. So it was vital we got him in. It's a massive loss, but he's obviously seriously ill. So hopefully he's okay. And uh, 
I awkwardly crossed my legs as you were reading that. Oh, it's, seriously, it's just... I mean, twisted testicles are never a good thing. I mean, two minutes in the show, we have mentioned the male genitalia twice. Yeah, it's two <laughs> times too many. Well, here's hoping he'll be okay. I'm back in the pitch. Yeah, so. Jesus, it sounds like an awful injury. So, um, Godspeed, Pico. So we'll talk about uh, the game, 1-0, Akinati. Uh, they worked it in from a throw. Akinati powered his way into the box and rifled home a cracking goal. Now, myself and the prof, we were screaming about Fitzgerald, who was slowly waddling up the field. I was just waiting for him to square it. Yeah, completely unmarked, waiting for Akinati to square it. We were just going, he's going to square it. He's just going to stroke that home, but didn't, took a shot and Fairness, buried like, it. Impossible angle, and he buried it. Buried it. Was, it. it was a great goal. Webby had, a, Webby had an awful time versus him, didn't he? Big, long, rangy, awkward, fast player. You know, it was a bad day at the office yeah, for He Webby. tormented him all night. Yeah. Uh, the stick from the crowd from a celebration, and rightly so. I mean, you go to East Stand, cupping your ears and celebrating like that, you're going to get abused, especially in the derby. I mean, he usually bottles it, to be honest, against Rovers. I think he's played good once or twice. Uh, the 3-1 out in Daily Mount played well. Other than that, bottles it. Yeah, that was like now his first start in 11 months. Jesus. It was just bad timing that he came yeah, back for that. Spleen removed, didn't he? But uh, yeah, he got booked for that celebration. And uh, do you remember Twig got a two match ban for doing something similar? Yep, it was for the one where he slid in his arse and there was bottles thrown at him and things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although it was later overturned. And uh, yeah, some clown ran onto the pitch and tried to confront Akinadi. I mean, seriously. Yeah, less of that. Grow up. I mean, what was he going to do? If you got close to him, is he really going to attack him or, or do whatever? I mean, come on, there's, there's football and then there's just stupidity. So 1-0 down, but we went straight back up and scored an equaliser. Uh, Fudd Sule filled Madden on the edge of the box. He's like a little Shetland pony running around, isn't he? Big body and stumpy little legs. <laughs> That's a good description. Um, Brando and Borky tried to gra- train a ground set piece from the resultant free kick. Didn't work and Brando superbly crossed it in. Or Davy Mack, who uh, he's becoming a favourite of mine to be honest. Tough as nails, never bottles it, and smashed home a header to send the East Stand wild. So that was one all, McAllister. Yeah, it was great power on the header, wasn't he? He yeah. had a lot to do. It, there was there was pace on it as well. Brandon put pace on that. It was like a a volley cross. He had to step yeah. back and smash it home with a fantastic header into the bottom corner. That happened a few times in the first half, where our set piece was clear back out straight to Mide. As you say, it was a nice little volley back in. Yeah. And uh, Davey enjoyed that, didn't he? The crowd. Ah, superb. Do you know what? One of the more enjoyable derby goals because the East Ham went bananas. Yeah, even Tomer joined in. Even Tomer joined in. A, a railings got thrown on the pitch and like half the team fell over. Brando <laughs> fell over, Porky fell over. I don't know how that got on. It was it was really good. And um, yeah, the first half in general was a cracker. It was, it was end-to-end stuff. Yeah, Harkin hit the post with a header. Yeah, I I thought it uh, came off a uh, Rovers defender. I don't have to watch it back again. I, I rewinded it a couple of times. It looked like it went off a defender, but um, don't want to be giving Dinny the corner forward Corcoran too much too much credit. Uh, Bowles went with four four two, and they're pressing. We we talked about this, Carl. They, I mean, they had a corner after a couple of seconds, so that that just kind of set them all for the for the whole game. They pressed us hard for long periods. I mean, I hate praising this this show, but. They did a great job of putting us under pressure and just throwing us off our game. And I mean, what do you think? Yeah, they closed us down every time we tried to play it out from the Didn't back. Give us a minute. Yeah. So credit where it's due there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, to do that for I mean eighty minutes, I reckon seventy-five minutes. They they pressed us for that long, and then yeah. they just sat back when they got their goal. Sule, as you mentioned, is probably their best player. He was good for them. Yeah. So 
yeah, I mean, Bowles deserved the win, sadly. But it wasn't a fantastic footballing performance. I mean, let's be honest, a lot of long balls. When's the last time you saw us get caught out with long balls like that? Mm, it was a big physical performance from them. You know, they won, they won their first battles, they won their second balls. They were putting long balls in, you know. it was, it was It's ugly football, but, I mean, it got them the points, so. But even even without that, I mean, they've got two strikers there, Cork and McInerney, who can win games for them now. Yeah, they, they've a, got a lot of away wins this season. 21 points away from home. Comparing to 11 at home. Jeez, that's a superb record, isn't it? We have 12 points away from home. 12 points. So, um, then the goal came that made it 2-1. Corcoran, I thought Lukey could have done a lot better. It, it, the, it looked like an awkward bounce, but his, his body shape and positioning just was all wrong. It just didn't look right. Is it my imagination like, or did McAllister get a bit of a poke on this? Possible own goal. Oh, we'll have to check that back. I watched it back a few times, and McAllister swings his foot at it. Could have. I mean, like I said, I'll check. We'll we'll check it back again. But it's, it was a very frustrating goal to concede. I mean, we really, really could have defended that a lot better. And the bone issue we're going to talk about now. We could be here for a while because there's so many angles. Yeah, it was a clash of heads, and according to people in the West Hand, it was a. Sickening sound. Oh, it was a right out smack, wasn't it? He was off getting treatment for about six minutes. Right, so let's just, let's talk about this, right? So we've got six minutes being treated. Not so super doctor allowed him back on. Visibly battered and bruised. I mean, straight away visibly battered and bruised. He then proceeded to walk the ball out of play. Completely disorientated. I mean, he had the ball in his possession. A good four yards away from the sideline. And just walked the ball out of play. And then he actually flicked the ball up to the Bowes player, I think it was Fitzgerald, who then took a quick throw to Akinati. Akinati to Corcoran, goal, right? So Bradzar could have been under, there's a couple of angles you can go over here. Bradzar could have been under the impression that he was okay because he was let back on the pitch after six minutes of treatment. So therefore the doctor is saying he's okay, and Bradzar probably said to him, are you okay? Obviously the player's going to say yeah. But it was bad judgment from not-so-super-doctor. And because the doc let him back on, Bradzer probably thought, okay, he's all right. And then that's why Bradzer hammered him for giving the goal away when he was being subbed because he presumed he was okay, but f- like visibly he was not okay. Yeah, it was quite clear. So it's a very, not touchy situation, just a couple of angles you can come at. And let's be honest, when he came back on after receiving treatment, he looked like, Sam Bone looked like Johnny Bones Jones got a hold for five rounds. I mean, what was the official injury? Did we have an official injury? There was something fractured, wasn't there? Awful gash in his eye, and he got, I think, a fractured cheekbone or something like that. So, nothing, um, no bleed on the brain, which he was happy with. I think he'd have to wear a protective mask now to cover his eye, yeah. Yeah, if no, he used to play. So, it was a horrific injury. I mean, the doc has a lot to answer for him. Every every player is going to say they're, they're okay to play on. And we spoke about this just before recording. I mean, if it's your hamstring and you can't physically run or walk or you're having trouble with your limbs. You're gonna you're gonna come off, but if it's your head, it's a little bit different. You're gonna say, okay, no, I can play on. I'm okay. So especially in the middle of a derby, you're gonna in say, in the derby, yeah. Okay. Bradley said he asked Bond three times, or he was asked three times. He said he was okay. So I can't really you can't really blame Bradley for that. I mean, he's gone by what his doctor tells him. Mm. He's gone by what the player tells him. Whether it should be taken out of the player's hands. Probably, yeah. I agree should with have hundred yeah. percent should have. Look at the guy. All you have to do is look at but him. That's where we are at the moment of football. In terms of head injuries, yep. I saw Alan Cody on Soccer Republic saying that we're way behind rugby in, in that issue. But 
Yeah, but see, rugby would have a lot more instances of, of head injuries. So yeah, that's true. wouldn't have that many. So, I mean, maybe, maybe Brad's said to him, listen, don't be a hero. Take it on the chin and say, listen, I don't feel great here. Get me off. I mean, don't don't let me come to you in 10 minutes and, and say, listen, I told you that if you weren't okay, I'm going to have to take you off now and rejig things. So we, we were... Uh, that, that's where we, our downfall is. Well, you so. say rejig things, but I mean, if you looked at our bench again, it was quite inexperienced. Yeah. I mean, if Grace was there, take no chances and swap him. But I mean... Who was he going to take off for Bone? Very true. And maybe Bone, that was in the back of his mind as well, thinking we actually have no one to put on here. Yeah. I mean, McAllister could have slotted in there. We ended up having the Bourke in central midfield. You know, it was it was all sorts of, of madness at the it end. It was a makeshift defence in the end. It was, mm. it was a burner centre-back, Trevor at left-back, although mm. he started the season there. But uh, just another point on the, the throw-in. Uh, it was actually Dave Henderson made this point on Twitter, guy who gets a lot of stick, but it was, yeah. it was actually a very good point. He said that, you reckon what he was actually doing was he was flicking the ball away from Keith Long because Keith Long was about to scoop the ball up with his hands. All right. So maybe there was a method to his madness there. True, but I mean, what what was he doing? Obviously, he he flicks it straight to the ball's player and it's lobbed over him and it looks absolutely comical. But if he was flicking away from Keith Long, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah, but what was he doing beforehand? Oh, beforehand, I can't explain it. You know, I mean... (laughs) He just falls over. So he has the ball in play and then all of a sudden sense, yeah, still sense kicks in and he goes, yeah. oh, well, I'll have to keep the ball away from Keith Long now. I don't I don't think so. I think he was just disorientated altogether. That's possible, but yeah. I mean, there was a, some wallop he got. So I, I, I mean, it's just a everyone failed, to be honest, in that, yeah, in that I mean, situation. The footage went up of Bradley having a go at Bone. I suppose he doesn't come off well. No. Given it all the way. But, but I guess it was heat at the moment. Completely uh, forgiven for that. I mean, he at the moment where the derby just conceded. I mean, he probably, like I said, he probably told Brazzer a couple of times, "I'm okay, I can play on." But he obviously wasn't. So maybe Brazzer was thinking, "Well, you shouldn't have told me you were okay." You know, there's there's a lot of angles to come out here. And on head injuries, I remember a few years ago, uh, Baz hit his head off a post. I think yes. it was a game against Sligo, and he came back on. A lot of people felt that was really dangerous for him to come back on. Uh, just because he wanted to. And he actually ends up having a great game. Yeah. But he yeah. came back on. But I remember him talking about it then later on the season. And he talked about not knowing where he was and stuff. That's great. I remember reading it thinking. Oh, and it must be up to the FAI good. to implement these changes and bring in new rules and regulations regarding head injuries, isn't it? It has to be the FAI. Mm. You uh, saw the picture of Sam's eye, yeah? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Terrible looking. Just on the right old gash on his uh, on his eyelash on his eyelid, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nasty. Yeah, it was nasty. And then stuff. some of the Rover squad and Huberman attended the uh, the official opening of club sponsor Harvey Norman. I saw that. I saw they sent Sam Bowen. And uh, <laughs> it was on Ireland AM and all. And <laughs> Sam Bowen is there with the the bruised eye after going five rounds with John Jones. Yeah, he apologised too, which I didn't think was necessary. No, not at all. Not at all. He probably doesn't even remember. So we'll talk about uh, the Boyd miss at the end. Like you said, Prof, the gods steered that one wide. It just <laughs> was not to be. And like you said before as well, serious second season syndrome with this guy. He can not buy a goal. Yeah, when that chance failed to him, I never fancied him, to be honest. Oh, even man. with a goal at his mercy. And I don't want to sound harsh, but I mean... 19 appearances this season although only 4 of them starts but it's just not happening for him this season no. so I kind of wish that chance had fell to someone else yeah Mikey maybe I mean have we even got the squad to allow him to go on loan can we even afford 
to to let him go out not forward financially just in squad boys to let him go out on loan I don't think I don't know if we can so yeah, we Sean, have Dobbs out on loan yeah Sean Boyd aka Brand Stark as you pointed <laughs> out <laughs> a ringer for him wasn't it yeah absolute image he's some prick oh man Brand Stark now not Sean Boyd <laughs> just shows up in Game of Thrones this week and he's like yeah turns out I know everything that's ever happened and I'm a tree raven everything that ever will happen <laughs> but uh yeah how, yeah, how, are you, how are you anyway? And, and you'll never understand because uh, you're not a tree-eyed raven. Fuck off, Bran. Just piss off. <laughs> yeah, so the other chances we had. Uh, are we f- completely forgetting about Shaws? He missed an open goal two minutes into the second half on his left foot. Open goal. He had a dive- Keeper just getting up. Open goal, let's be honest. He had a diving header and then the ball came back to him just as he was standing up and again. he was ever so cool. He was very cool. And he looked yeah. like he was on a stroke at home and he just... Blazed he got under it, oh, yeah. Man. It was a massive chance. Really, really massive, massive stuff. Like, and who else have we got? We had uh, Mikey just didn't connect with a header. Any connection on that, I reckon they would have tested the keeper or went in. Yeah, we had four forwards on the pitch again. <sighs> yeah, I mean they were getting no service because like McAllister and Connolly couldn't get on the ball. Yep, couldn't get Mayday and Clark into the game. And who, uh, who, who, who need to step their game up in fairness, Brando. He had a shot late on, he screwed it wide. We did have chances, but Brando and Trev have been stale as of late. That's what I think, anyway. I haven't been great. Trev hasn't been performing. Brando yeah. could do more. I mean, they really need to step it up this weekend. Really need to. I mean, they need to st- stand up and be counted. You know, Trev needs to show the form that people have been praising him for, and Brando just has that natural talent. We ne- They really need to show it this week. How come Duna is never involved these days? I don't know. I really don't. You'd wonder. I mean, he just doesn't. He hasn't. He hasn't played in a long, long time since mm. his goal, his debut, since his uh, his sub appearance, and he scored against Drogheda, wasn't it? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, it was Bolger. Yeah, like I don't want to be hypocritical because last week we actually liked at our bench or was so young in yeah, the dock, yeah. and we were saying they're young but they're capable. But aside from doing it in Bolger, we're not actually seeing much impact from our subs. Yeah. No, I mean, I would have liked to have seen doing it come on. I mean, he does have a goal in him, and he's a, he's a good player. He's a good attacking player, so hopefully he does get a chance. Yeah, but I mean, we're very very strong start at eleven. But that that defeat really showed how important Finn and Lopez are. Yep. I mean the the two the two players that you don't want to lose on Derby Day, and we lost them. Pico, who's been a revelation centre half, Finn, who would run for days and give these guys a go, considering how fit they were. It was just a, and you know what? When we found out. We kind of looked at each other and we thought, oh no, this yeah. is not good. Yeah, Webster is a different player without Lopez. Yeah, Hopefully, yeah. I mean, Lopez is going to be out for a while now, so. Is he though, yeah? Are we are we looking at that? Well, he's had an aberration. So. Twisted testicles. Oh, Jesus. We need, Shudder. We need Webster and Grace now to build a bit of a partnership there, yeah. don't we? Hopefully he can step right in and, um, and marshal that defence with Webby. Second half, I mean, there was a lot of time wasting and fouls I mean the time flew by it was a terrible performance by us in fairness but yeah second half anyway we went a really long period without making a chance I mean from the Shaw chance from about 25-30 minutes didn't create anything and uh, yeah as you said it really stung that one oh it stung man you know what I was in work afterwards and I was I was like a demon just snapping at Peter, just I didn't want to be there, you know. I was just thinking about it all night, but what could have happened? And 
shoulda, woulda, coulda, and then I was just really, really stung. So, especially coming on the back of the win in Dundalk. Ah, ma- madness. I mean, even the the Cork win for Bowes kind of softened the blow a little bit. So I'm thinking, oh yeah, no, they're just they're just having a good good patch at the moment. But, but some of our purse performances this season has been on the back of great results and performances. It's actually Lee Barrymore who's pointing this out. So that's kind of source of frustration. Yeah. There never seems to be any momentum. We have put two wins together a couple of times, but And if we ever we need we need a bit of momentum it's now. Yeah, so uh no clean sweep this season over Bowes. Yeah, still no clean clean sweep in twenty seven years. Twenty seven years. Bowes did it in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah, the uh, the Deegan and Keegan partnership in the middle of the park. Jason Bourne up front. Um yeah, there's a couple of good posts on Facebook and the Rovers chat and uh Kieran Stafford who we had on in Prague. Um he had a great post. He said this day last week everything was coming together and the maturity was shown and this, that and the other and now after tonight. Dr. Jekyll is out instead of Mr. Hyde. So don't get me wrong, I fucking hate losing to them. Boils my blood indescribably, but everyone needs to calm down. Bradley's hand was forced tonight with the Lopez situation and I think everyone has to come to learn that Webster is like a lost puppy without him. The second goal was an absolute horror show. If I saw the 12s team concede that, I'd be living. Bone shouldn't have been back on the pitch. He hadn't a clue where he was. Even from that, you have to be asking where the other centre-half was. Painful to watch. After all that, he let the dust settle and frustration boil over. And let's focus on a big game next week. In the end, it was a bad performance and they simply just wanted it more. Rovers fans naturally put too much weight on games against them. Finally, the support in recent weeks has been second to none. It's been hair-raising at times how vocal people have been. Sleep it off, drink it off, deal with with the blow, however you do it, and everyone get behind the lads again next week. Keep the faith. Great post from Kieran, And it really does resonate with me and you in particular because we... I mean, like, if you're one of the people, as we say here on the show, you're one of the people, you'll understand that that game was a once-off. And, I mean, we can't just abandon our, our enthusiasm over one game and when the team really needs us this, this week in particular, so. Yeah, there was a few rants at uh, Wine O'Clock. Oh, Wine O'Clock was brilliant. Yeah. Brian but, Hill, what a man. I think we'll be getting him on soon. He's he seems like a character. Maybe that's what Kieran was referring to by saying calm down. But, yeah. But uh, <laughs> and then I think the next day he he got up and he says, "Oh yeah, uh, Brad Brad's a sound." But yeah, he's <laughs> making a Brad's sound flag. <laughs> I've a snippet from uh, Maloney as well. Who else? Oh yeah. He says, uh, "Bragging rights may well rest in Dublin Seven right now, and many beers were dipped into skinny lattes and obscure craft beers." <laughs> But everyone knows it's the top dogs in Dublin there. Revenge will come and will be sweet. Rovers Bowes Cup final, anyone? Oh, yes. We hadn't had one since 1945. And there was a war going on then, I believe. Podge Craig scored the winner for Rovers that day. I say the British Army cried into their daily mount bare points that night. <laughs> yeah, nice little dig there, Maloney. Um, so they were showing the game in our uh, Icelandic haunt, the Dubliner. And Reykjavik Techno Viking Steve tweeted a picture with his Rovers jersey on. So uh, it's good, good to see Steve showing some support. We had uh, 4,500 in attendance. Foot darts, balloon creations and face painting was back. And that was just for me and Carl. So it was grand. Yeah, fun day was had. <laughs> Luke Bourne had control of the club Snapchat and the build to the game. He's quite media savvy old Luke, isn't he? He was on the League of Ireland podcast recently as well, wasn't he? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, the players got a great reception at the end of the game, regardless of the result, which was good to see. It's probably the best reception I've ever seen after a ball's defeat. True, honest, very yeah. true. Yeah, there was lots of coverage in the build-up. And uh, 
great atmosphere at the game. But can we turn off the music a few minutes before kickoff, though? Because that's really annoying. Yeah, that seems to be uh, a big request. I I definitely like that because I mean you want to hear the fans singing, and when you're in the tunnel, that's what you want to see. You can just see out into the east end. You can hear the fans. You want to hear my little horse or whatever. My my lonely horse. What else have we got? Trevor Malloy was the guest in the 1899 suite and we had a little chat with Billy Boy ourselves so uh, we'll roll that one out. Okay, I'm here with uh, former Shamrock Rovers player Trevor Malloy and uh, we're going to start off early in your career. You start off with uh, Sheriff and then Stella. So at 16 year- years of age, clubs are looking for a centre forward. So which clubs did you have trials with before Rovers? Um, Cambridge, no, fuck. Oh, I can't even have now. Millsbury, Brighton. Man City Mills of Brighton Man City that's it Mills of Brighton Man City there was two more but I can't remember so you signed for uh, Ray Tracy and how did the move come about I'm always like making your debut for the club you supported as a boy Rovers um, Tom Cavanagh was a uh, manager at Stella Maris and uh, he was throwing us into getting Ray to come out to us and he's throwing Ray Ray was getting us into train with the reserve team back then um, and I just clicked every time I put the jersey on the Rovers I, just, I always seemed to do well and it was just one of those things that clicked back then you know for me it was it was actually one of the happier times playing football it was back then in the reserve team and um, Rovers had a really strong team and um, really good players up front Tony Cousins was scoring goals and it was hard to get in you know but one of the best feelings I ever had was actually going out and making me debut for Rovers uh, it was a brilliant time I think it was a come on as a sub I think it was against UCD and uh, I was brilliant I'll never forget it you know so yeah you moved on to Athlone for the season and then into the 1997 World Youth Championships and Brian Kerr came calling and there were a lot of future stars in that tournament Michael Owen Thierry Henry and they got three goals each you got two so that wasn't too shabby uh, no I got three you got three I got three I didn't get credit to one of them but I definitely got three just testing you there yeah no I definitely got three uh, I had an amazing time uh, we waved off the English lads we did when they, when they were leaving the hotel, which is yeah, yeah. quite funny. Yeah. We actually waved off the Brazilian lads too. Uh, so it was, that, it was a great time. Brian Kerr done really well over there for us. Um, and plus, we had a great bleeding team. We were all 5'7", 5'6". There was no long balls back then. We, didn't, we just got it down and played. Yeah, and yeah. we surprised a lot of teams over there. Uh, you were one of five bronze medal winning players in that squad to go on to play for Rovers. The others were Colin Hawkins, Neil Finn, Desi Baker and Damo Duff. So uh, tell us, how good was Duffer? It was amazing. <laughs> we we break our blade bollocks walking for 70, 80 minutes and just get the ball to Dupper then, you know? Dupper, get, ah, just Dupper, hold on to the ball before you run, run with about 50 yards and stay in the blade corner, give us all a break, you know? <laughs> uh, I'm, a bit, I'm, a, I'm a bit ginger, so the sun didn't uh, do well with me, you know? So <laughs> we had to. And you won league titles of Pats and Bowls and returned for the second spell of Rovers 2003. You were the top scorer. So what was it like coming back? Horrible. Fucking oh, horrible. You got relegated. <laughs> Oh, Sally Marley. And what, um, R- Roddy, you were under there with Roddy, were you? What yeah, was Roddy like uh, with you? Roddy, Roddy sacked me twice. Um, but I say, he did, but what I say about him, um, he's a great manager. Absolutely brilliant. Um, technically, technically, he's been brilliant. Uh, he's training, he's coaching, he's excellent, you know. Maybe he'd be learning to keep quiet a bit at, at certain Maybe times. So. You know, he'd be, he'd be still doing what he He'd be still in a, a big club in England because he's really that good, you know. Absolutely lunatic, but. Lily been, you know, but again, he makes you want to play with him. Um, he well, in fairness, you've played for Bluebell, and I've seen that squad a few times. You know, he's not the only lunatic. Uh, we've got a good Bluebell's a great club, uh, Newland's doing really well down there, and plus, 
I, I fit in well with lunatics, you know. I, 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 I can ease into the background and let them go to the front there, you know. So it wasn't that successful at the time with Shamrock Rovers, but you were Player of the Year in 2004, so what was your relationship like with the fans? Yeah, I always had a, a good relationship with the fans. Um, when I left the first time, uh, they, they, the fans was actually the ones that didn't want me to go when I was a young kid. And when I come back, there was a few bills, but I think I scored two when I come back against the uh, drop there was up there. We got deep one there and I scored two. We won the game 2-1. And the fans are back on your side then. Once you see it, once you see it walking hard with the G's, that's all they want really, you know. And um, the player of the year, the top goal scorer that year, it was brilliant, it really was. But again, we got relegated and a hurt, like a really did hurt at the time, you know. Not the lowest point of your career? Absolutely. Absolutely, I, th- I think I, lo- I went down to 10 stone after I, I went and hid in the gaff and locked the door at me and stayed in the room. I, really, I was really that bad. I just got depressed over it, to be honest with you. But football is a, it's a game where you can go out the following week and try and put it right, like you know that. But I didn't get the chance to do that because uh, Mr. Scully had a. That's what he didn't want me, he wanted different players at the club. Uh, no bad thing, no malice in it, no bad thing, but just one of those things, you know. Rawers recently played in the Czech Republic and you played there in the 2003 in the Tautokok campaign so do you have any memories from that? Uh, that's the one where was it, we won 2-1 was it? The one in uh, Poland That's the one in Poland I'll be honest with you I'm being quite honest with you I don't remember much about the European uh, the European games uh, that's, that, that's got all the shoot usually you get out you play and you go out for a day and a half and then get on the plane home a few, few girls involved then back then, was it? Absolutely. Uh, we falling downstairs and things like that. But um, not your yeah, great, great experience going out there and playing. Absolutely amazing, you know. What uh, Robert's teammates would you've gone on really well with? And do you have any stories from those times? Uh, I mean, things you couldn't say on on, on radio and on, on, on the telly. Say it on our radio show. No, 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 it's, it's, it's some, some really good uh, friends that are getting. Paddy McCall was brilliant off the pitch excellent Steve, Mc, Steve and Gop the plate were always really full very good friends we, we still contact each other now and again even going back to the, the very first team at Rovers I was in as a 17 year old Sean Cavanagh and Brian Horn and players like that Mark McCormick um, like you, you pick up a lot of good friends you know especially at Rovers it's, it's a, we all wanted to play we all wanted to do well at Rovers at the time you know and you scored uh, six goals versus Bowles and a joint record with Brandon Mille since joining Milltown. Is there one that sticks out that you just you thought that's that's better than the rest? Uh, no, every time I scored against Bowles it was brilliant. To be honest, yeah. uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And, and even the score of the winners against Bowles is, is to be honest, with you, it's not a course against fucking excellent, amazing <laughs> stuff. It is really you get four or five thousand fans crying out your name and you're scoring for your your, your favourite team and. And I hope Brendan goes out and smashes it tonight. I hope he goes out and gets three or four and he's three ahead of me. You know, like that. So yeah, that means Rovers yeah. get three. You don't mind your record being me. And once we beat the balls. I would look at me. His name is down. I've done well with Rovers. Uh, I know I've done well with Rovers. My family know I've done well with Rovers. The fans know I've done well with Rovers. If he goes out and gets three tonight, I'll be more than happy. And before um, anything else, oh, this, this isn't even on our script. Uh, where'd you get the name Billy Boy? Well, I want to say Billy's Boots because uh, my dad. He, he, my dad's nickname is Billy Boy, so I just got put down to that. But my dad always said he used to call me Billy's Boots uh, with the magazine, but yeah, yeah. I just got a lot of my dad, Billy Boy. Yeah. And uh, the 2004 goal where you snuck up behind the keeper, Shea Kelly, that'll go down in history books. That, and that's your favourite goal. Uh, that's your favourite goal? That's, no, that's your favourite goal ever. Yeah. That's your favourite goal ever. Ever. Just, uh, and I wouldn't mind that night we were all in a uh, couple of face checks. 
and I took his wallet out the back of his uh, back of his jeans and I threw it on the gate and we chased him down a couple of face checks so go. first of all you, you dipped his pocket on the pitch and then afterwards as well <laughs> that is brilliant and, but to go back to the goals it was uh, what do you remember Shane Robinson was trying to stop the goalkeeper and Henry on fuck off get away the bleeding goal go yeah, away yeah. so he eventually walked off and he rolled the ball out and I came around and I, I got it in and I, was, I had to say I, it was one of the funniest things that ever happened to me in life it was brilliant, brilliant. Uh, you play for the big four in Dublin seen all the Dublin derbies do any Robbers derbies stick out in your mind the one with the pig's head for instance eh uh, no I think that one there that one when, when I scored that goal it was, I really enjoyed that now I could say the one that I was playing with Bowser come on at half time Brogan was winning 4-1 4-0 at the time and I come on at half time with Bowser and we ended up winning 5-4 so I can throw that in as well just to piss off the boys just to get a bit of stick going I'll edit that out later <laughs> uh, who's the best player you've ever played with and played against uh, one of the best players i ever played with uh, Eddie Garmy be one of them to be honest he's absolutely leading top notch Thomas Morgan Steve McPhail I remember Steve McPhail I played with him in the uh, 21s against Spain uh, against uh, Sweden and he pinged the bottom 35 yards through someone's legs and it was just and called it as well and 8 was on the pitch going and then Paddy McCourt Paddy McCourt scored a goal for Rovers against Bray Wanderers in Daly Mount Park that's the hat-trick I think it was a second goal of his hat-trick and if you look at the video of it you see me standing there going like that we, we commented on this before on the podcast and your reaction is priceless I just stand there going right get him off he has to go off you know because he was really that good like he, he, the things he could do with the balls was ridiculous like, you know the best player you played against best player I played against uh, Declan Boyle centre half off uh, Finn Harps monster of a man I didn't mind I used to mind anybody could kick me all day and he could punch me and nip me and talk to me and I wouldn't take nothing of it but when that man hit you oh when he hit you you could feel it your whole inner being shook and he, and he knew it but we used to have a good go of each other but he was honest as day as long you know he was an honest player but he, when he hit you he hit you Haggerty as well off Daddy Jesus Lumberjack and he, he hit you as well and good players very good really good players Alan Stubbs and in the uh, what's his name uh, Little Buddha when I played against Lazio De La Pena De La Pena um, I got his jersey actually and I actually had a cup of coffee with uh, Swen after the game and all of this yeah I played well against him and uh, Pat Dolan caught me down out of the room and me Swen and uh, Pat Dolan sat down and had a coffee as you do like, you know what I mean as you do yeah, yeah. it's just a normal day thing for me you know and you've had a couple of spells in management at non-league level and you're looking to finish at badges so what's your ambitions for the future and where do you see yourself let's say five years time uh, and at the moment I'm on a break at the moment just, I'm just taking a year out of football because I never really had a break every summer every time we had time off was always been your life yeah I was in the gym I was running up and down beaches and things like that you know but I'm taking a year off now I have my B badge done I'm going to finish that off I'm going to go into my A, uh, my a badge and then hopefully get me pro license B badge is quite an accomplishment in itself we had two lads on recently who had their B badge done and it's, it's a long time of your life to, to study yeah. and get things done Basically, stuff, but you know what I mean? No, but it is. It has to get done, but um, well, I hope, I hope I'm standing here in five years' time managing Rovers. That's been quite honest because it's, it's, with football, same thing football, I always wanted to be the best. And if you want to be the best in the league of all, and the manager of Shamrock Rovers is the job, isn't it? So that was Trevor Malloy, and he is gonna, he's actually going to be playing in the Bluebell versus the Cherry Orchard Legends game, which is coming up soon. And Bluebell's newly decorated clubhouse looks gorgeous. Handiwork courtesy of Bucker Bailey, painter extraordinaire. <laughs> Yeah, good stuff from Trev. 
He's a, he's a character. He's up for a bit of crack, isn't he? Yeah. yeah plenty of stories. I loved hearing about the tales in Fargal. He's behind you. Yes, great. Really, really good. Uh, and you know what? He was really eager as well. So delighted, um, delighted he was, uh, we got him on the show. Uh, Cork lost for the first time this season at home to Balls on Monday night. A player on loan from Dundalk, Georgie Poynton, scored the winner from the penalty spot. So Balls are three points behind us now. Game played extra though, wasn't it? Yeah, life moves fast sometimes. Yes. On last nice. week's show... We were talking about balls being sucked back into a relegation Slipping battle. Slipping back in, and now this week they're three points behind us and challenging for Europe. Fuck's sake, challenging for Europe. And you know what? Like you said, they lose to the Sligos and the Galways after two fantastic results. So. Exactly, that's their pattern. That's what will happen. But uh, yeah, Cork can still do it on Tata Cork, because man. when Dundalk drew a Sligo, that meant Cork could do it before Tata But now the Tada's back on again. Yeah. But, um, oh, there'll be plenty of twists in that tale. Yeah, Bowles are quite a strange team, as we know. In 2011, they were the only team to lose to Galway. In 2003, too, wasn't yeah. it? No, no, that was 2010. That was 2010. In 2015, they were the only team to beat Dundalk. And now they might possibly be the only team to beat Cork this year. Yeah, do you know what? I think Cork might have a little blip. Considering they lost a top scorer and another player at left foot, I think I think they're going to have a blip. No, it's not going to affect the title race, but um, definitely blip on the cards there. So that means the only club to go unbeaten for a whole League of Ireland season is still Shamrock Rovers. Yeah. 19 25, 25, 19 26. So um, many have tried, many have failed. Many have failed. <laughs> so we have a. Fine from the game in Sligo, which is bollocks, to be honest. I mean, find those little pups who are throwing the rocks for us. That's, that's what I reckon. So, um, we'll read out the fans' notice. Following a post-match pitch incursion by a small number of supporters at our game in Sligo recently, a fine of €700 Euro was imposed on, the club, imposed on the club by the FAI Disciplinary Committee. The committee also note that this was Shamrock Rovers FC's fifth pitch invasion offence of the season therefore the committee directed that a further such offence will result in a more severe sanction whilst there, these rule breaches have been perpetrated by a tiny minority of people attending their games the consequence again the consequence consequence the consequences of their actions affect us all the club requests all supporters to heed this warning we can ill afford these financial punishments more severe sanctions could extend to stand closure or games with no rovers fans in attendance the club requests all supporters to adhere to stadium regulations home and away. Banning orders will be issued if necessary. Well, that's uh, that's fairly harsh. Good luck trying them to stop, to get them to stop Rovers fans going to the game though. Yeah, well the Sligo one as you mentioned, seeing a bit of a setup because they were recording before the actual incident took place from the gantry. Yeah, I reckon so. It was um, definitely, definitely a setup. <laughs> so what have we got next? We have Robbie Keane. Who's finally left the Roadstone complex after training with us for a few months. Stephen Bradley said that's no coincidence that Gary Shaw has improved. Well, Robbie has been here, uh, giving him advice and so on. He also said that the British clubs are calling every day about Trevor Clark. And he confirmed that Darren Meenan is leaving. Yeah, so that's him. Out the door. Curry Chips. Out the door. <laughs> um, uh, Kieran Kilduff went to the Jacksonville Armada. We didn't even mention them last week, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we're only talking about them. And Paddy Barrett joined Waterford on loans. There's been a couple of, a bit more business as well. Sligo signed a couple of players, swapped strikers with uh, Gawi. Yona Ayunga went 
the opposite direction. Vinny Fratty went to Sligo. Saw so Sligo fans saying, so we didn't sign any 19-year-old from England on loan. Yeah. Bold strategy. <laughs> that's, that's been the story of their couple yeah. of seasons, hasn't it? Limerick having a clear route as well. Seems to be putting his, uh, their gaffer seems to be putting his stamp on that squad. Serious departures from yeah. Limerick. O'Connor, Turner, a couple of other players. Limerick are basically swapped with balls. Now Limerick are fighting relegation. Yeah, I think Pats are going to regret signing the likes. Of, they, they will stay up. Conan Bourne's been on fire the last few weeks, but I think they're going to regret signing the likes of these mercenaries like a Turner and Paul O'Connor. You know, these players who will probably play well for a couple of weeks and then just kind of fade away after getting a few quid. I, I think that might bite them towards the end of the season, you know. But uh, we didn't sign Aaron Green. The hot topic of the week. Two cash offers were rejected apparently and Bray Wanderers insisted on keeping all of their players. Now this is a move that we wouldn't be a fan of and we've been vocal about it before because he is on the list of hatred. And he's staying there. Yeah, he's staying there. So People seem to be counting down the clock, didn't they? On Monday night. Yeah, they were hoping <laughs> it would reach 12 before we signed him. Breathing a sigh of relief when there was no news about Green. No, I just don't think he fits in with the attitude of the team, you know. But like I said, some some people know him, and is people who do know him are saying that he's improved as an with his attitude. But he certainly didn't show that when we were on the Carlow grounds this season with his hand gestures and his attitude towards the Rovers fans. So it is good to see that Bradzer knows where we are kind of thin on players. We do need a winger and we need a centre half. So we got one. We got a bit of a utility player in Carpenter and uh, Clark is a winger, so he should be apparently he's quite raw. So he'll be going out on loan. The Bray chairman made a number of bizarre statements last week, including one in which he said that Wicklow was like North Korea for business. So I thought the site got hacked. I thought that. I thought, or like someone said, I think Zaid said it was like Waterford Whispers. He uh, has to be trolling us at this stage. It's crazy stuff. Shout out to Dave Donnelly, by the way, for his extra time preview of uh, Bray Harps. It was a work of art. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The whole thing was about North Korea. Yeah, I'd be a fan of Dave. No, Dave's pretty cool. And then uh, Kerala Evergreen FC, an Indian team, had to apologise for copying Bray's logo. Is this is that real? That was absolutely real. Great, I saw that. It was nuts. Just exact a normal same crest. Just a normal week in life of Bray. You know the Asian link of yeah. North Korea and India. Uh, what else we got here? We have Darwin Rangers, formerly known as Darwin Shamrock Rovers were set up as a sister club to Shamrock Rovers seven years ago by a group of Irish immigrants in Australia and they've made a meteoric rise on Wednesday night it's Wednesday morning here so tonight uh, or if you're listening on Thursday last night in the FFA Cup the amateurs will welcome the A-League champion Sydney FC to Larrakia Park in front of a sellout 3,000 crowd against the likes of Del Piero Dwight York and Juninho so best of luck lads give them hell and anybody with any affiliations or know anyone who is involved in the club, let us know on Facebook and give us a, a bit of info about it. We'd love to hear about it. That'd be a good interview. If there's any Hoops fans actually playing for it as well, yeah, it'd be pretty good. Wouldn't it? Maybe Ray Wilson will go to that. Yeah, get Ray. Ray's, that'd, be, that'd be local for Ray. He probably will go. He said he met Del Piero in Sydney. Yeah, he's, he's a lovely a guy. guy yeah. yeah, real unassuming. That's not the biggest game on Wednesday night, Dugger. What's the biggest game on Wednesday night, girl? The Dublin Decider. The Dublin Decider. <laughs> get on down. Support your local British team. So the Barstoolers will finally get off their Barstool and go and see their favourite team, Man United. Now, we've nothing against Man United, but we've something against Barstoolers. I mean, I mean that's... I'm actually lost for words because the, the Barstooler culture, it's just so frustrating to me. It really is. And they'll never experience football 
they'll sit in the pub they'll call another fella from Dublin a mank they'll call another fella from Fibsborough a, a, a scouse whatever but they're sitting in a pub and that's how they experience football how how can they say they're football fans when they're not going to the terraces they're not singing the songs they're not on the way trips and the buses drinking cans taking the piss having a laugh that's not following football for me well, that, that was me many moons ago yeah I grew up on a United fan I grew up well, there's nothing wrong with having an English team just w- w- once you follow your Irish team as well I mean we actually had a debate last night in work and we were talking about attendances and what, what it could what what could make attendances better and we were t- and then the, someone came out with a comment saying imagine there was no GAA imagine the the level of footballer we'd have and the amount and, and the, the pool we'd be able to pick from and the attendances that we possibly could have so it'd be some dream it'd be some dream yeah We'll move on to the under-19s. They had a strong side out on Wednesday last week. Goals by Doyle, O'Connor and Dylan gave the hoops. Uh, a 3-2 win over Bray. And then on Saturday at Rollstone against Waterford, the 19s lost 3-1. Very disappointing considering the, the players on show. Sean Boyd scored after 10 seconds, I think it was. He'd given them the lead. Um, a wonder goal. Was it, yeah? Yeah. And Mikey O'Connor got a straight red card, so Mikey's indiscipline is creeping back into his game. Uh, so well done, Boyd. Well done, boy. Never doubt him for a second. Never doubt him for a second. So I spotted Rovers topping the way to the game on Friday. On the way from Lucan. And I offered him a lift. Turned out it was young Manny Lawal heading to train in the Rollstone. So I heard good things about him. Carrying a foam roller. So they're all very professional, aren't they? Mm. The 17s and the 19s. I wouldn't know what to do with that. I was looking at it going, what do you even do with that team? <laughs> <laughs> uh, looked like a giant hair curler. Uh, the under 17s won at home to Limerick Sunday and Adam O'Connor header was all that separated the sides and they are playing Cork in the Cup on Thursday at 7.15 Bishopstown so any uh, idle hoopers get on down support our young hoops and if they win that they're drawn away to Waterford the semis yeah so, sound like a great game it's had at the, the Limerick one despite a torrential downpour yeah the rain was pretty bad wasn't it uh, Pat Fenlon Strange one here. Pat Flannan in an interview said he feels he's not getting the credit he deserves for our youth development. Now, this came out of left field. I'm not too familiar with his work. Not sure if he did much. Now, I do know that he is quite interested in the infrastructure of clubs when he gets involved as in bringing up players. But are you are you aware of any of the work he did? I think he did good work at uh, Shelburne. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not aware of it at all. I mean, he he's the one who wanted to scrap the B team, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, there was him who insisted on scrapping it. But it he so mentioned that he gave uh, players debuts, and it's true that he gave the likes of Boyd, Dobbs, and Duna the debuts. But I highly doubt that he would have started any of them if he had stayed on for the rest of 2016. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Bradley threw them straight in. So grapes, maybe. There was also a weird part of the article where it said that um, Terry Eviston and Alan O'Neill underachieved at Rovers, and they paid the price in 1996. And they won eight of their 14 league games. Yeah. And they were sacked one game into the new season. So, I don't know if someone is trying to rewrite history, but <laughs> that that's what happened. So They didn't underachieve. Like Jason McLean says, this, the, it's, uh, it's on paper in front of you, that's the truth. They can't rewrite history. 
So uh, speaking of Jason McLean, we're going to talk about 1899 versus 1901. And there were three lads visiting from Hibs, the four in hand, supporters club from Edinburgh. Neil Martin, Charlie Walker and David Harrison, all good lads and uh, all guests of the Gary Twigs supporters club. So Neil joined Jason in this interview as well. We didn't have a translator handy, so apologies for yep. <laughs> uh, for um, the accent. <laughs> good lad though. Right now we're back with Tails in the East End and we have Jay McLean and Neil from the Edinburgh. from Edinburgh, the four the four in hand hoop supporters club for uh, Hibernians, and we're going to talk about the 1899 debate versus 1901. But first of all, Neil, where are you here today? I'm here today because uh, this young man here, Jason, invited us along. Uh, he's coming along and watched Hibs, the original 1875s, and um, he's brought us along today. And uh, this is our first uh, taste of League Island football, so I'm really. And what do you think so far? Are you happy with your experience? Um, so far, it's been very, very poor. You know, the guys who have brought us over here, they've put us up, they've had a nice hotel, they've brought us to hospitality, they've showed us at local pubs. It's Terrible so far, so. It's absolutely horrendous, to be fair. <laughs> you're sinking the points, but it's, it, you're just not liking it. No, the, the, the <laughs> points are going down okay, but I just say, I was like, I'm not sure if I'll come back. <laughs> right, so Jay, we're going to talk about this um, hot topic that you've been digging into for years. So not, bef- not anymore, not anymore. Before the dramatic discovery you made a l- over just a year ago, uh, tell us what evidence there was in favour of the club being founded in 1899 as opposed to 1901. And what side of the fence were you on back then? Right, well, I was always a 1901 man. uh, Says your name in the forum as well? My name on the forum was 1901. The the reason being would be I'm very much into my local history. I love love historical debate, I love historical uh, research. And when, when you're into history, you always have to go with the historical evidence. And unfortunately, for the 1899 uh, position, the only actual evidence, there was two pieces of evidence, I suppose, if you want to use evidence as, as a word. There was the gates in Milltown, which is not really evidence at all. You know, well, they're on was, paper, they're record, aren't they? It was, there, was nothing, there was nothing on record, right. unfortunately. There was, there was, the, the, I mean, the only, the, only, the only thing that was on paper was a 1972 uh, programme versus Shells, the 11th of November 1972 which stated that Rovers were founded in 1899. Right. Okay. The reason why I always uh, pinned my mask to the 1901 uh, argument was because, as, you, as everyone would know, Robert Goggins done a lot of research, and he, uh, the, 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 the records in the Leinster Football Association stated that Rovers joined the Leinster Football Association in 1901. So that was evidence from the time. It wasn't somebody arguing... 70 years later, it's this or it's that. There was evidence there day, from, 19, evidence. from 1901, Rovers joins, joins the Leinster Football Association. So, you know, as far as 1899 was concerned, I, I, I just didn't buy into that simply because there, wa- there was no physical evidence from 1899. Yeah, and that, uh, when, you're, when you're into historical research, you have to go with what's, in, what's available. You can't, you can't go on hearsay, you can't go on word of mouth, you have to go with what actually exists. Yeah. And there was existing evidence there in the Leinster Football Association's records to say Rovers, were f- Rovers joined the Leinster Football Association in that year. There was, no, there was nothing ever to state anything to do with 1899. 
now again, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot younger than a lot of Rovers fans who, who adhere to, to 1899. I always actually would have preferred the 1899 position yeah. because it makes the club older, which is yeah. great. But there was, there was never any evidence from the year 1899 to say Rovers were in existence in that year. So that's why I always pin, pinned my mask to 1901. Uh, the Cunninghams seem to have no opinion one way or the other on whether it was 1899 whereas the Kilcoyans, as you mentioned, 1899 was painted on the gains. So why do you think they went with that? I, I, I mean, there are there, there, there's photographs of, the, of those gates prior to 1899 being painted on it. Uh, I don't know. I was born in 1973, so I'm, I mean, I wasn't going to games back then. Um, Why not? <laughs> because I wasn't a lawyer, Neil, from Scotland. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, as I say, the, 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 the earliest known uh, actual evidence or you know paperwork to say 1899 was a 1972 program, which is a long, long time after the year 1899. So I don't know, was it on foot of that programme that 1899 was painted on the gates? I, don't, I honestly don't know. I don't need the, 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 the gates are great, they're, they're part of our history, and as it turns out, they were right, which I'm th- actually delighted about. <laughs> but as historical evidence, gates being painted in the 1970s don't prove anything. So that's... Yeah, very true, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Leinster Senior Football Association records that we registered in 1901. Yes. But then we didn't join the league until 1903. That's right. We, so joined the, uh, we joined the County Dublin League in 1903. And in 1905, we joined the Leinster Junior League. You see, you know, the, I mean, things are... Things are it, well, we're talking about the... the, the, the a long time ago, A too. long, long time ago, you know. And, and, and in fairness, I mean, I, the reason, as I say, I always took my lead from what, what Robert did was because he's done more research than any other Rovers fan out there. The man spent hours and hours researching this. And you know he came, he came up with records, he came up with dates, he came up with actual evidence. So overwhelming it was overwhelming evidence. Yeah, you can't, no, yeah, you, you can't, you can't argue with, with physical evidence that exists from the time. You know, people's people's position on something, they can say what they like 70 years later, but un- unless you have something from that time, it, yeah. it means nothing historically. Well, speaking of Robert Goggins, he said that it would make no sense for the club to be formed in 1899 and then wait around for four years to join the league, just playing friendlies. So did you agree with that argument at the time? I didn't really have much of an opinion on it, because I, I, mean, I, I didn't know how things worked back then, you know what I mean? But it's obvious we were in existence in 1899. It, well, it is now. And we did not join any league until 1903. Now, so we, we affiliated to the Leinster Football Association in 1901, but we did, we did take part in, in cup games prior to 1903. So that's, you know, it's it's a very muddy it's a very muddy area. But there's you know there's there's facts we've got today that we didn't have two years ago. Sorry, Jason. Do you feel that um, with um, Shamrock Rovers being formed in 1901 and then factual evidence before 1903, and you find that Hibs won the Scottish Cup in 1902 with Dan McMichael again from Dublin? Um, do you think that that has a, a bearing effect? Well, I don't know does it have any direct effect, but it's certainly emotionally very nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> We've been hijacked for the Hibs SC. Um, Robert did always say that it was possible that one day proof about 1899 would be unearthed. And if, he did, if it did happen, he would accept it. So in June last year, how did it come about? How did this 1899 revelation come about? Well, 
it's funny because as, as, as Robert uh, has, has alluded to since then, basically what happened was when, when Robert was doing his research back in the day, you had access to microfilm on, on a reel. Right. And basically you stood, sat there and you ran through reel upon reel upon reel of microfiche. And that's old school, isn't it? That's old school. But what basically what happened with myself was now in the age of the internet, you can, do, you can use a search engine. Mm. But there was two things, there were two funny things that happened. First of all, the edition of the Evening Herald that was available to Robert on microfilm was not the same edition of the Evening Herald that they put up on the net. In that the edition that I got to see years Irish later was yeah, on Irish News Archives, but the edition that I got to see was the sports final. The editions that Robert got to see that were the only ones available to anybody wanting to do that research in the National Museum were just the standard edition. I got to see the sports final, which carried basically results that had come in right, after right, right, the, right. the normal edition would come in. So basically what happened was uh, two friends of mine who I have to give a shout out to because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't they have found this. Two guys, a, fe- a fella called Jamie Morden and a fella called James Brady who are writing a book basically about the IRA in Dunleary right. between the years of 1916 and 1921. The book is called With the Sixth Battalion. They were researching... Cheap plug there. Yes. <laughs> Good friends of mine. Buy the book. It's brilliant. I've, 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 I've had to... Uh, what's, what's it when you read a book for someone before? Uh, it goes on. Proofread. I've had to proofread it for them. It's brilliant. But when, uh, when the boys were doing the research, one of them told me uh, rather illegally that I could use their... Um, Put, put their uh, password in and do a bit of research okay. because they knew, they knew I was into history. So I was in work one day, things were quiet, and I was like, geez, I wonder what the, first, uh, the very first match report for Rovers is. So I basically put Shamrock Rovers in to the search engine, but there was a date parameter that you could use. Okay. I forgot to put the date parameter in. So it gave it a very first record. Yeah, and, the ver- and what happened was three... Three, three, three of them popped up, and the three of them, well, I'm sorry, not three of them popped, loads popped up, but three, three stood out. Two were for eight, from 1899, one was from 1900. And I was going, well, hang on here a minute, Something, something's, not, something's not right here. So I went in, had a look. Uh, the, uh, the, very, the very first mention of Shamrock You have an actual Roberts. print yes. out here? Yes. Pretty professional, BJ. The very first mention of Shamrock Roberts that we found, by the way, because there may be more, was on the evening, is it in the Evening Herald, on the 10th of April, 1899, on page 3, under the uh, heading Association Football. And it just says, Shamrock Rovers versus Rosemount. This match was played yesterday and resulted in a draw. That was it. And that's it. That's it. That's the first ever match report. That's the earliest one we found. So I was like, is this our Rovers? <laughs> is this our Rovers? So, we also found another one from the 28th of November, 1899. Shamrock Rovers versus Linfield Swifts with Clonskey in brackets. Now, I don't know if Linfield Swifts have anything to do with that shower that played Celtic earlier in the month, but it's interesting to know. But anyway, it said, This match took place yesterday at the ladder's ground and after a very tough game resulted in a win for the Shamrocks by three goals to two. M. Penston... P and T Gagan, T Murphy, C Dunn and P Nolan played well for the winners. Now, it was this particular article that confirmed beyond all doubt yeah. that it was Earl Rovers because it named players that we knew. That Ro- well, basically, basically we, not existed. we, Roberts, because yeah. he's the man. That, the Pentons were well-known 
for being involved with Rovers at the early stages. So beyond all shadow of a doubt, Shamrock Rovers were not founded in 1901. Shamrock Rovers existed in 1899. And maybe even before that, possibly. Mm, well, like you say, it has to be in front of you, historical evidence and what's on paper. Be, there's, there's no, we, I came across nothing to say Shamrock Rovers were founded in 1899. All I found out was we existed in 1899. Yeah. For now, I'm, I'm pinning my, uh, yeah, my mask to 1899. But again, I've been proved wrong in the past. And like any good historian... You know, the evidence always tells the truth. Yeah. Because I have to say, when, when I rang Robert to tell him this, he was I'm over the moon. How do people react? He was over the moon. Because yeah. he, said, he said to me, like, what, what are you going to do with this information? I said, well, what do you think we're going to do with it? I said, I just, how are you? He, said, he actually said to me, how are you going to break this? Yeah. I said, I'm not breaking it. You are. <laughs> I said, this is, you've, you've put years into researching this. I found this by pure accident. It's a grand gesture. Fair well, play. No, I mean, and in, in fairness, he, he wrote the article in, 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 the, in Hoops saying, explaining this story. And there is more research to be done because that earliest article from April 1899, that throws up questions. Yeah. Was it a league game? Was it a friendly? We don't know was what it was. Was it the was. force? Was it the tour game? Was it, yeah, was there yeah. games prior to that that weren't reported on? We don't have know. have to dig deeper, Jay. But Rovers definitely existed in 1899, so for now, I'm happy to say Rovers 1899. 1901's gone out the window, <laughs> that's for sure. So if it was a league game in April 1899, that means it could have been founded in 1898. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened, but yes, it, it throw, it, this discovery throws open a lot more questions. What does this mean for the renaming of the suite, Jay? Uh, well, I, I, I won't say anything on the renaming of the suite. What I will say is that uh, a certain uh, historian of the club said it was a bit premature to call it the 1899 suite. And he, he, could, he could turn out to be right. You're well, we'll be happy with that. So, I mean, do you think it has anything to do with a former club that was formed, not a former club, a club at the moment that was formed in 1875? A club in Glasgow that no longer exists. I, I, I believe the Glasgow club was formed in 1888. Um, uh, the club I'm referring to was 1875. Oh, sorry. Uh, Hibernian Football Club. <laughs> Again, we're being hijacked here by our friends <laughs> coming over. Yes. <laughs> uh, finally, Jay, uh, tell us about your work in the Shamrock Rovers Heritage Trust and your decision to step down from the trust. Yeah, the trust was formed by Rob Tormey, a former member of the board who was very much interested in, in the history of the club and he basically asked me to, to come along because he knew I was a bit of a bit of a history buff got involved was there for uh, a fair few years Rob in, prior, in later years was on the uh, was, on, was on the board he moved on then um, basically in, 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 in recent years it's, it's got to the stage that a lot of the memorabilia we collected it's kind of just come to a we basically got everything in that we that we, you know, nothing has come in memorabilia-wise in, in quite some time, and we felt that the, uh, with the way the things have developed with the club over the last few years, how professional things have been, um, we thought it, would, it was better that uh, former players and fans and anybody else that needs to be honoured, that, that it actually be done by the club, that they get it, that it's the club that's honouring them, not, not just, you know, the Heritage Trust, you know, so we just, myself and James sort of took a decision that we'd We'd step back. James Cook. Just James Cook, yeah. We'd step back and let the let the club sort of. I mean, things have progressed at this club so 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 brilliantly over the last couple of years. You know, I mean, we all know it. You know, there's a, there's a buzz around this club again, and it, it, I, I honestly feel there's no need for the Heritage Trust anymore.
Yeah, he spoke very well, didn't he, Jason? Yeah, it's his uh, specialist subject. Yeah, certainly the, uh, is. 1899 debate. And uh, that was Neil with them, who had some interesting chance for Akinadi on Friday. Yeah, he certainly did. And the cut on as well. The cut on is very popular. <laughs> yeah, the, the programme that he mentioned where he hands it over to Robert to announce it, that was last year against Rops in Europe. And uh, shout out, by the way, to Buzz O'Neill for one of my favourite post-match posts of all time. This was just after we lost 2-0 to what was, you know, a a poor team. Rubbish Rops team, And he said, Buzz said, not only is that one of the worst defeats in our 115-year history, it's actually one of the worst defeats in our 117-year history. (laughs) Uh, and you know what it could be more it could, it could be 80 like we, we, if we uncover more it could be 1898 it could be it could be before that you know Yeah. there's still so much uncertainty about the origins of this great club of ours mm. the only thing we can say for sure is that Hibs were founded in 1875 yeah we were made sure of that you wouldn't shut up buddy <laughs> <laughs> so now here we have some stats for Derry and Derry have won four of their last five matches so the form team and uh, in Sunday's 3-0 win over Limerick at Bunkran, Rory Patterson scored his fourth goal of the season, but he's only made eight league appearances because of an ankle injury. So he's one to, he's going to be one to watch. Jared Doherty and Dean Jarvis are ever-present for Derry. Their top league goal scorers are Barry McNamee on nine goals and Aaron McAniff on eight. He scored that cracker against us in McGinn Park, didn't he? After their win in Talent in March, Derry went on a 10-game winless streak away from home in all competitions until a recent win at Bowles and Harps, although only Dundalk have more away clean sheets in the league with six, scoring 13 and conceding 11 in their 12 league games. Rovers have never beaten Derry under Kenny Shields. Ominous uh, stat, that one. You mentioned that to me. As well. Yeah, losing four and drawing once. The Hoops' uh, last win over the Northerners was a 4-1 win at Tala in June 2015. Six league games without a win against Derry has equaled the run from 2005 to 2008. Rovers went 14 league games without a victory from 89 to 94. That would have been the league winning team, wouldn't it, in 89? Yeah. Rovers lost a home league game for the first time since Cork on St. Patrick's Day. It was Bowe's first win at Tallis since 2012. First win since 2012. Yeah. And the only other time we lost at home to Bowe's in Tallis. We sacked their manager. Yeah. And uh, the first time they scored two goals in the game here. First time ever. They yeah. scored two goals in Tala. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, McAllister's tour goal for Rovers. And all have been scored at Tala. It was Rovers' 400 league goal against Bowes. So a bit of history there. Rovers have lost all seven league games in which they conceded the first goal this season. Another cracker of a stat. So we're not coming from behind. Uh, for Friday will be Rovers' 146 league game at Tallis Stadium finally overtaking Talca Park as their most freaking home league venue since leaving Milltown <laughs> Derry are the only team to keep a clean sheet against Rovers at Tallis in all competitions in 2017 their snatch and grab win with um, 1-0 wasn't it uh, Rovers have gone 31 games without a nil-nil draw so the Hoops have never lost three consecutive games at Tallis Stadium either so once again those stats are mind-blowing really you've outdone yourself again we're going to move on now to the starting 11s and predictions okay, remember before you're caught out your team 
<laughs> Don't forget to say grace before meeting. <laughs> oh my god. Can we have that sound effect that comes in and goes... <laughs> no, it's a tumbleweed that you don't. <laughs> yeah, so uh, starting 11s and predictions this week. A bit of variety this week. We actually have to pick different players. So, Tomar Madden, Lee Grace, Baptism of Fire, thrown in at the deep end, Webby and Lukey. Now, Trev and Brando have been a bit stale lately. So, lucky to be getting in, but we do need big performances from them. McAllister and Finn in the middle as well. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of McAllister. He has that bit of bite in him. Loves a tackle. And uh, now what do we do here, Carl? Do we play two up front and do we go for it? Or do we leave Borky behind a striker? I mean, can we afford to leave a player of Borky's calibre out? I mean, since Balls beat Cork 2, I'm putting that down to hefty amounts of grade-A steroids being horsed into them at Fisborough. So I think um, Borky and Shaws are going to start for me and going to play Borky in behind them in our usual formation. Hopefully the same performance as we had in Oriel Park. Stay tight on McNamee, McAniff and Patterson. Don't give them any room to breathe. Never mind pass the ball. I mean, and Cordes needs to feel the wrath of the East stand. Let's not forget the hand gestures he made and his behaviour towards us in McGinn Park. Remember the hatred, Hoops fans, and remember his actions. So let's give him hell. And I'm going to go with a 3 2 win. High scoring game for the Hoops with Trev bagging a goal or two. Coming back to form. Yeah, same team for me. Uh, Finn, if he's fit, bring him in for Conley. Grace, obviously. To make his debut, because who the hell else is there? <laughs> and uh, send their half. We can jump on. <laughs> he might be calling you at this stage. <laughs> and I'll go for a two-one win. What a massive game this is! Oh, it's huge. Do you know what? We're five points behind Derry at a game at hand. Serious fight for third spot. I am a bag of nerves this week. Huge game, and it's it will just be such a kick in the bollocks if we lose. Seriously, it will just. Un- it's unthinkable it's unthinkable we really need to, to nick the three points here so a number of players are on four yellow cards Mele, Bork and Boyd Clark has ten yellow cards ten yellow cards uh, yeah maybe this week is the time for a few sneaky fouls by any of them yeah seeing yeah. as if uh, Glenville next week will that count will they be banned for the cup yeah oh yeah I'd say go for that so we have bans for important players looming over us so um yeah, probably better off getting those bands out of the way. So the Gaza kids will be at the game against Derry on Friday and we have Danielle Tuddy Robinson with a quote, we are all super excited for Friday. We've had hundreds of messages on our Gaza kids to Tala page from people wanting to come to the home game from up and down the country. We're expecting an extra two or 300 people coming who would never usually go to a game. So it's great for the kids and the club. The club are giving the Al Halal FC team a huge experience of Friday and the fans. Well, what can we say about the fans? Simply incredible. Between sponsorship, raffle tickets, spot the balls, and Ray Wilson backing us 100% is a huge night for all of us personally. Our initial fundraising target was 3K, and we've upped that to 6K. It costs over 40K to bring the young talented footballers here, and there's no family like the Hoops family. So, um, yeah, big, uh, big mark of respect there for the for the guys raising all that money and uh, I reckon we get them over to Block M entrance forward at East Stand give them a real Rovers experience the cauldron of noise that is the East Stand yeah I hope they enjoy the day yeah uh, the 2017 Members AGM will be held on Saturday September 30th at 1pm in Tala so all members mark the date now we have uh, a little bit about Cork as well Bank Holiday Monday and we're going to have some stats here 
So Rovers have won the League Cup twice in 76, 77 and 2013. Cork have won the trophy three times in 87, 88, 94, 95 and 98, 99 seasons. Beating Rovers in the first and third of those finals. Their only other meeting was in 2014 when Ronan Finn scored in Rovers 2-0 quarterfinal victory at Tala. Uh, Rovers have failed to score in only one of their last 27 League Cup games. Only Derry have kept a clean sheet at Tala in all competitions this year. I'm not liking that. It's the second time I've heard that. <laughs> Rovers have reached a record 18 League Cup semi-finals, and the Hoops are the first ever club to reach six semi-finals in a row. It's not much of it. Not, not, not something to brag about, is it? <laughs> six semi-finals in a row. I'm to make a song out. Cork have made it. Uh, Cork have made it for the first time since they lost the 2011 final to Derry, Tornish Cross. So they uh, lost on their home patch. Since 1998, the Rebels have reached two other semis. Um, Losing to St. Pat's in 2003 and Galway in 2008. Cork won 3-0 away to Limerick and beat Pat's 2-0 at home on the way here. Rovers beat Bowles 3-1 and Longford 1-0 in Talla. So against Longford, Dean Dillon scored his fourth senior goal. Shane Haney, who has now left the club, and Richie English made their only appearances of the season in this competition, while Paul Curry made his only start. Cork are looking for a club record five consecutive wins over Rovers. These two teams have never played out a penalty shootout before. Rovers have twice beaten Cork under John Caulfield, both at Talla, 3-0 in the league in August 2015 and 2-0 in the 2014 League Cup where Ronan Finn was on the score sheet. So we have, uh, as a player, Stephen Bradley won every domestic trophy except the League Cup. So he lost the two semi-finals with Shamrock Rovers to Sligo in 2010 and Limerick to the Hoops in 2012. So what's your prediction for this one, Carl? Alright, I'm going to say... It's going to penalties. Oh, are we going to do it though? In the course then? Right, yeah, we'll win on penalties. I'm going to say 1-0 win. Do you know what? Yeah, 1-0 win. Sneaky 1-0 win. But penalties, penalties, uh, tempting me there with penalties. And there's a double issue uh, of hoops seen this week for the Derry and Cork games. Yeah, bumper issues. So and make sure uh, you get out and get yourself a copy. And I'll have a piece in the programme about wacky jerseys in the 90s. Ah, oh, yes. That so, Rovers, Cork and Derry wore. Some cracking jerseys from Rovers in the nineties as well. Yeah, the whirlpool purple one. The, the purple tie dye one. That was that was a that was a beau. Very hippie. Yeah, very very hippie. Very cool. Um, and as expected, we confirmed the signing of Collinstown pair Dean Carpenter and Darren Clark. So a little bit about Dean here in his bio. Dean has always been viewed as one of the best fullbacks in the amateur game. The captain has been a vital cog in Collinstown's success since he made his debut as a 17-year-old. So Dean was a standout performer throughout their rise in the AUL ranks before making a move to the Leinster Senior League. He played in Collinstown win over Shamrock Rovers in the 2016 Leinster Senior Cup and also lifted the Leinster Junior Cup on two occasions. Dean started in the friendlies against Celtic and Burnley at Tallaght Stadium during the summer and the left-back impressed manager Stephen Bradley enough to get a contract. So... Yeah, he, about Dean. he can play in a few different positions. Uh, he can play left back, centre back. Yeah, definitely something we need there because, like I said, the we need that versatility. Is quite thin, yeah. yeah. So hopefully he can do a job. And as for Darren, he played for the Shelbourne under 19s 2012-2013. Signed for Cabin Teeley in the 2015 Force Division but made just five league appearances. He added a four to two league appearances in 2016 before joining Clonstown in August of that year. In January, Darren was back at Shelbourne where he took part in their pre-season programme of matches. Along with teammate Dean Carpenter, the Condock and that has been on trial at Shamrock Rovers over the last month, and he featured in the friendlies versus Celtic and Burnley. Very quick winger, like his younger brother Trevor, who has already made a huge impact at the club. Yeah, Lukey Burns said his 
when he came in on trial how to tell the two of them part oh yeah yeah him yeah, and Trevor quite, yeah quite quite similar um, and it uh, sounds like he's going to go out on loan anyway possibly for the rest of this season yeah they must have suitors already if they're they're going to say that you know Um. so Carl asked Stephen Bradley about Tim Lindhorst our Dutch trialist and he had this to say uh, we'll hopefully to get one or two of them done by the end of the week would you like the look of Tim Lindhorst no so the transfer window shut on Monday night and we made the deadline day signing of Lee Grace from Galway United. So that's our bit of business done and dusted. That was our transfer deadline day deal. I was hoping to talk to Bradster what he stuck his head out of the car window at Rosestone, but I just rang him instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not exactly as frenzied as it is in, across the pond, but it's a... Uh, Did you see the countdown clock for uh, Grace's signing? No, no. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool no. um, I saw someone say he he got as far as G and R or something and didn't spell out green so, <laughs> he's so he just gave happy. up <laughs> um, yeah so a little bit about Lee Lee hasn't missed a minute of league action this season with Galway United and he scored his fourth senior goal in a recent 4-1 win over Drogheda the Tipperary native 24 had to leave the army to play full time football at Amy Deeson Park Galway manager Shane Keegan had introduced Lee to League of Ireland football when he swapped Waterford Premier League side Carrick United for Wexford Utes in 2015 in January. Lee settled quickly into the centre of defence as the Utes embarked upon a title winning season in the fourth division. Overall he made 49 appearances at Ferry Carrick Park. So a supposed good prospect. A centre half. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Jesus, man. Uh, With Lopez, Bone and Devine all injured. Heaney out on loan. How badly did we need a centre-half? Yeah, so fair play to all the club for pushing this one through. We really did need it. And we paid uh, what's believed to be in the region of 25000 Oh, well, wow. Didn't know that now. More than twig. Obviously, there was urgency to it because we could have waited until this contract ran out, but I just called out who we're missing there. So Yeah, yeah. Definitely needed it. So um, And you can see how pissed Galway fans are. Are they pissed, yeah? We just go online. Not it says at it all, all by how much how highly they rate him. They really rate me. I didn't read. I didn't get a chance to go through. Yeah, right. That's good. I'm happy with that. And he happy mentioned when other that fans he, are pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> and he mentioned that he's a Tipperary native, so uh, Kitty and Mikhail is happy. Tipperary oh, man. Tipperary hoops man. And uh, players from Tipperary to play for Rovers include Richie Ryan. Ah, oh, Richie Ryan, who is currently with Miami FC. Yeah, <laughs> they've no. Miami <laughs> Dolphins is nothing like that at the end of the day. They're yeah. finally coming to terms that they don't have to have a stupid name at the end of their soccer teams. And we also have Luke Coyley, Daryl Kavanagh, and Ollie Cahill. Ah, oh, there we go. There's a little bit of a trivia for you today, folks. Not a complete list, but that's four. So um, we're coming to the end of the show this week, guys. Thanks for listening. So we have Lee Grace. All shiny and new, ready to make his debut against uh, Derry on Friday. So, fellow Rovers fanatics, this is the biggest game of the season so far. Six-pointer and a vital step in the direction of Europe. So, don't hesitate. You have dinner booked with the wife. Go down to the peach tree and grab a boy. The lads want to go to town for a gargle. Get them down to the Glen Malore. And the kids have singing practice. Well, East Stand is the place to be. They can sing themselves hoarse. So, let's roar on Bradzer's boys and get the three points. Keep on hooping, folks. See you. Amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved